Hi and welcome. We're so excited that you chose to join us today. And we hope that this message will inspire you to live the life that God designed you to live. For this message or others like it, you can go to our website or you can find us on our YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, enjoy this message. God's good, amen? You're supposed to say all the time. God's good all the time, amen. That's one of the great truths you need to know. And uh, I, I want to receive our offering today. And um, so if you could, uh, ushers, if you're giving cash, would like a receipt, uh, just flip your hand up one of these ushers to give you an offering envelope. You make it out a check. Um, how many remember what a check is? Still remember what a check is? Okay, good. Uh, make it out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. Praise God. Um, you know, I, was, I said this to you last week. I think this is really a good point to say it to you again. You know, the Bible talks about a story of Cain and Abel, and, and, um, and you know, they, people debate on why Cain's offering was rejected and Abel's was accepted. And people say, well, because Cain gave from the ground and, and uh, Abel gave from, a, from blood, you know, from an animal. But actually, you know, God received whatever was from people's hands. But I think the wording of that verse, and I read it last week, is so important because it says that Cain gave in the process of time. And so, like I'll say to my kids sometimes, did you pay your tithes? I haven't got around to it yet. And that sounds like the same thing Cain said, in the process of time. I shouldn't have told that, I said that to my kids. But anyways, but I used to say that to them. I don't say it to them anymore, they're all grown up. But, but in the process of time, and Abel, it says, he gave of the firstling. That means the very first thing, he peeled that off and he gave it. And shows attitude. Remember I said last week about attitude? And, in the, and Paul brought that same forward in 2 Corinthians when he, said, when he said, if the gift is given willingly, it's accepted. So if it's not given willingly, it's not accepted. And uh, God loves a cheerful giver. So God doesn't accept everybody. Somebody goes, well, you know, you give grudgingly or of necessity. God doesn't accept the gift because it's not given with a willing heart. But there's tremendous benefit when the gift is given willingly because what happens is God can make all grace abound to you, that you have all sufficiency in all things and have an abundance to give to every good work. And so when the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, you cannot exclude money from that. You can't say that, that includes everything except money, it includes my time, my focus, but it doesn't include my money. It doesn't work that way. Money is so much a part of our life that if we don't give the first fruits to God, what it means is we're not really, in reality, putting him first. Preach, Steve. I believe I will. And so I'm just, some people wonder why this doesn't work. You know, why, why it doesn't work for me? Well, put God first. It'll start working for you. Amen? If you go, well, I can't get my heart to be, uh, to be excited about it. Well, read some scripture. Read some promises. See what the Bible says and then have a willing heart when you do it. I remember years ago, a guy told the story about he, he, went, he, he was pastoring a church and he went out on you know, evangelistic work and uh, he was just struggling financially. And so he said he fasted and prayed, God, why am I struggling? I did what you told me to do. And the Lord said, yeah, you did it, but you weren't willing to do it. You just did it because I told you to and you're unwilling. He goes, boy, I got willing in a hurry. He goes, it didn't take me long to get willing. 
And so I just had a heart adjustment real fast, and I got willing. It's not that hard to get willing. Just a little bit of a heart adjustment. Focus your attention on things, and you can be willing. Amen? So let's pray over our offering. Lord, thank you that we can give, and we just thank you so much for every promise that you made to us. You said, David said, I've been young, now I'm old. And this one thing I have seen, never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. Lord, we just thank you. We're not forsaken, that we are your children and you care so much about us, that you are the we are the focus of your attention, Lord. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you meet every need that we have beyond our imagination, what we can ask or think. We thank you, God, for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, men, pass the offering buckets. I have a video I want to show you. It's a real short one, but go ahead, hit it. Question, what kind of bear is best? That's a ridiculous question. False, black bear. Well, that's debatable. There are basically two schools of thought. Fact, bears eat beets. Oh. Bears, beets, Battlestar Galactica. Bears do not, what is going on? What are you doing? Last week, I was in a drugstore and I saw these glasses, uh, $4. And it only cost me $7 to recreate the rest of the ensemble, and that's a grand total of $11. You know what? Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, so I thank you. Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. Millions of families suffer every year. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're all looking. What did he play that for? Identity theft. That's the point I wanted you to get out of that. Identity theft is a, something that affects everybody's lives. And I, I'm talking to you. I talked last week, and I'm talking to you again this week about identity. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that identity. Um, identity theft is a huge problem uh, in, the, in the economic world, but it's actually a huge problem in the kingdom of God. Most people don't realize how important it is for us to see ourselves as God sees us. To see ourselves as God sees us. Because when you capture, when you can capture and get a revelation of what God created you to be, who God created you to be, his identity, receive his identity for your life. If you can get a revelation of that, it'll absolutely revolutionize your life. I remember when I first used to hear when I was a young person, I used to hear about identity our identity in Christ, I never thought it was that big a deal until I started reading some scripture and I, I began to see how important that it is. You know, I titled this message Taglines because I started to talk, I had a discussion this last week with somebody, had to share with them about the Lord and, and uh, he told me what particular denomination he was raised in. Then he told me what denomination he was a part of. And I wanted to say this, but I didn't say this. I said, well, denominations are tags. 
If you go up, they fall off. If you go down, they burn off. Right? And so, um, but I started thinking about that tag lines, how that so often we have uh, tags put on us. And, you know, tag lines are kind of catchy phrases that companies use to sell their products. Right? I mean, they just, do you guys remember this, this saying, it melts in your mouth, not in your hand? What is that? M&M's, right. You guys remember. It worked. It works on you, right? How about this one? This car dealership has a better idea. Ford has a better idea. You can tell that's an old one because nobody would ever say, nobody would use the word better nowadays. You would use the word extraordinary, unbelievable, out of this world idea. Right? Awesome. Yeah, you'd never say. Remember, there was a company in Elba Lake. It was called OK Tire. You can tell that was started a long time ago, right? Nobody would use the word OK. Awesome tires, unbelievable tires, but nobody would say OK Tires, right? And so if you look at, listen to it now, it's like I was looking at the word miracle. How many ever heard of miracle grow? It's a miracle. Really? A miracle. You mean if I use this stuff, it'll be a miracle? It's a miracle. They even I, they have all this miracle sealant. This sealant is a miracle? I, I mean, they hype things up, and they try to get you to buy into it. And they can't use just like... This is, this is pretty good stuff. They would never say this is pretty good stuff. Are you kidding me? <laughs> pretty good stuff? No way. This is like, oh, good. It's, it's, it's average. It's an average stuff. Average? Oh, we'd never buy it. It has to always be hyped up. Isn't that true? And so they do that to try to get uh, you to buy into. I remember years ago, uh, Ford made a, a car. I'm not picking on Ford this morning, by the way. Uh, I actually have a Ford, but... Uh, I don't like to admit that publicly. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm just kidding. But uh, so uh, they used to make this car called a Pinto. How many remember that? Ford Pinto. Remember that? Uh, of course, a few of them had exploded. When they got run into from behind, they, they actually exploded. So I, I, one time I, I walked by this Pinto, and he had a bumper sticker that says, uh, warning, uh, something about in, uh, explodes on the impact or something like that. But yeah, so that they don't make that car anymore, obviously. Because somebody hung a tag on that car that it explodes on impact. So who, who wants to buy that car? Nobody does. Because they, they were able to, to tag it, put a tag on it uh, and in a negative way. Well, I've, I thought about that, and that's true about people, too. There are tag lines that are given to people. There's a tag that's put on them. Uh, sometimes it's based on some negative experience that they have in their life, a negative experience. Or sometimes it's a condition, some kind of a flaw, or a difference that we see. And so we hang a tag on them. And these, a lot of times these tags or these labels are so powerful that they shape the person's life, his self-perception, and they create a false identity. Right? It's not even near close to being true. You know, I, got, I want to tell you a little story. Don't judge me, okay? I, okay, don't judge me. But how many can see this shirt? You see the shirt I'm wearing? My wife hates this shirt. I put this shirt on this morning. If you've come to church here for a long time, how many times have you seen me wear this shirt? N never, thank you. I, I put it on this morning, and I could hear my wife murmuring in the other room. You know, murmuring. 
because she hates this shirt. She does not like it. Well, the reason I haven't thrown it away is because you know what I paid for this shirt? I paid $135. Now, I never, ever pay that much for a shirt, ever. I mean, I'm about, I'm a $20 shirt guy, you know, and I, I try to get like two or three for, you know, like 30 bucks or something. That, that's how I kind of approach it. Costco's or, you know, someplace like that where you can get true value, you know. And so, and so what happened was I got this gift certificate. And so I went into the store for this store. I go in there and I think they wanted me to buy a suit, but I haven't worn suits for a long time. And so I looked at this shirt. And I go, that's a nice shirt. That is a nice shirt. You know, have you ever done that? I go, that really looks good. And I bought it years ago. And, and so I looked at it and I was like, wow. And I looked at the price. It was $275. Two, do you believe that? <laughs> and then I turned it over. It said that it was on sale for like 135 bucks. And I thought, Wow. And I called the, I said, this is a mistake. I mean, are shirts actually worth this money? I mean, do people pay that? And they said, suckers do. No, I mean, it's again, he said, oh, is that all? He goes, is that all it's worth? That's all it is? I go, is that all it is? I mean, you remember, I mean, I don't even know they made shirts that cost them. I mean, I was like blown away. Well, in a, in a weak moment, I bought this shirt. Now, if I asked you, would you buy it from me? I've only wore it a few times. Who would buy this shirt from me? Who would do it? Come on. Ten bucks. <laughs> it was two, 11 dollars. Here's my point. What determines a value, the value of something? What determines the value of something? What people are willing to pay. You can say, well, this, my house is worth a half a million dollars. If nobody will pay that, it's not worth a half a million dollars. It's only worth what someone's willing to pay. When it comes to your life, your life, God paid a price that cannot be measured by human standards. When it comes to your life, what God paid for your life, it cannot be measured by human standards. It is, a, it is the price that is beyond, it's out of this world. God gave his only begotten son to redeem you. That's how valuable you are. But the problem is that we come into the world, we come into this world, and we get a lot of negative feedback, especially if you grew up in a broken environment, we get a lot of negative feedbacks. And so what happened is tags, we, we allow, we allow Broken people, broken individuals, and, and let me just say this to ignorant people, to put negative tags around our neck, and then we, don't we make the fatal mistake of embracing that tag and believing it and allowing it to shape, allowing it to shape our lives. And so what we grow up as, we grow up as a, a distortion of what God made us to be. When God sees us, what God, he puts so much value and so much worth upon our life that he wants us to rise up and live an incredible life. See, I think that one of the greatest moments in our life is when we can say with confidence and conviction, I am who God says I am. 
when we can actually see that, not just say it as a tagline, but we actually see it. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. That means my identity comes from a revelation that I've received from my Father God. My Father God determines who I am and what I can do. Not you, not some broken individual that himself is struggling. Remember last week I talked about Chris Valentin. I don't know if I told you who it was, but he said that his stepfather used to call him a dumb donkey. But he didn't use the word donkey. It was a shorter version of the word donkey. Starts with an A and ends with an S. He used to call him that all the time. When he came out of high school, he could only read at a third grade level. He said, I realize now because they kept calling, he kept calling me that, he hung that tag around me, I'm, you're stupid, you're dumb. And so what happened was he, it, it hindered him from, being, from thinking that he could, he could be smart or that he could actually do something. Now, today, he writes books, written many books. Actually, he, God's given him a voice into our government. He goes to Washington, D.C. and meets with senators and House of Representative people and talks to them about the things of God. Just think about that. But somebody, some ignorant, broken person, put a tag on him, hung a tag around his neck, said, you're a dummy. And, and him, you know, a little kid doesn't know. His little soul is, there are times when, you know, your kid's soul opens up. And, what, and when, that, when, you're, when that little kid's soul opens up, what you speak into that kid's life it just goes wham. It just it, it totally affects him and will alter the course of his life because it alters his identity, who I am. I'm flawed. There's something wrong with me. There's some, some tragic experience happened to me in my past. And everybody goes through stuff, and some experiences are so bad, they're hurtful beyond words. But do not let that experience define who you are. Let God define who you are. Preach, Steve, I believe I will. Because what happens is everything in our life flows out of identity, flows out of actions and attitudes. That's why when you look at the ministry of Jesus, and I said this last week, that the very first thing that Jesus, when he started his ministry, the very first starting point, one of the most significant moments in his life was when his baptism. And certainly his attitude or his, his attention was heavenward. And at that moment, when he was baptized, it says he came up out of the water. It says the heavens opened and God spoke from heaven. Think of how dramatic this moment is. And God said, you, he hadn't done a, he hadn't done a miracle, hadn't preached a sermon, hadn't taught a lesson, had done nothing yet as far as public ministry goes. And God said, you are my beloved son, the son of my love. In you, I am well pleased. That's identity. And the very next thing that happened was he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. And the devil tempted him about twice. The devil tempted him. Two out of three of the test temptations were about his identity. If you're the Son of God, do this. I know God said that, but I don't buy it. And so you can listen to the sermon today. I can tell you some things about your identity. But the enemy will come. You've got to realize this. The enemy will come and says, look at what you've experienced. You know, it's interesting, when I first got, when I was first saved and I started to preach, I'd preach in little house meetings. And one time, it was in Minneapolis, and I was, I was on the way to this house meeting. Somebody else was driving, and they said they knew the way, but they didn't know the way. And we got kind of close in the neighborhood, but we were driving around trying to figure out, 
where is it? You know, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. We're driving around and we're going, God, I said to the Lord, Lord, show us, somehow show us where it is. And this is, this is the craziest thing. But this actually happened. I thought about this this morning, so I wanted to share it to you because I hadn't thought about it in years. But all of a sudden I looked and there on the sidewalk was a flame. And there was, I mean, there was no reason for it to be there. There was a flame on the sidewalk. And so, of course, we were drawn to the flame. And, and so we stopped there and we go, this must be the house. And so we went in there and it was the house. And then I told the guy, there's a flame out there. And he goes, what? There's a flame on the sidewalk out there. And he goes, what? He looked out, he goes, there's no flame. I went out there, there was no flame. And there was no burnt mark either. That is spooky. But I just started thinking about that. You know, I'm God's son, and he just wanted me to know. He was just helping me out. He wanted me to know that even though he uh, controls the universe, he has all these important things to do, because I was lost and didn't know where to go, he put a little flame out in front of this guy's house. I'm just telling you that you should look for miracles because God does them every day. Why? Because you're so valuable and so important to him. And so there seems to be a connection. There seems to be a lot of spiritual warfare around identity. Like I said, that's where Jesus experienced spiritual warfare was around his identity. But there seems to be a connection between Jesus' identity and his power. When Jesus, when people would identify who he was, it's like power was activated. I don't know if you remember the story that Jesus came to his own hometown of Nazareth and I'll go through this kind of fast because I have a good sermon. I'm not gotten to it yet. I'm just kind of revving my motor up here. But um, he came to his own hometown of Nazareth where he had been brought up. And he got up and he's told them that he was the one spoken of by Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me to do all these things. And it says they wondered at the gracious words that came out of his mouth. But they begin to say this. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this the carpenter's son, the son of Mary? Aren't his brothers and sisters and relatives and family here? And it says that because they treated him as common, he's just an ordinary guy. He's just, he grew up here. Who does he think he is? Because they treated him as common and ordinary, it says he could there do no mighty works. And so there's a connection between Identity. They identified him as somebody who was common, ordinary. And there's a, there's a connection between our, ident our identity and what we can do. And they identified him as an ordinary person, and he couldn't. No, he didn't say he wouldn't. It says he couldn't do any miracles there. But on the other hand, when people identified him right, it powerfully changed who they were. Think of Peter, for example, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, you know, some people say you're this, some people say, he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter said, flesh and blood, humans didn't give that information to you. You got it as a revelation from my father. And then Jesus gave Peter a revelation about himself. You're no longer Simon. See, Bar-Jonah means son of John. So Peter's name was Simon Johnson. He was a good Norwegian. He had migrated down from Norway or Sweden. 
Amen? Come on, if you're Norwegian, say yes. Amen. Praise God. We were one of the lost tribes. <clears throat> Let's not get into that. But anyway, so, but it, that, that was Bar-Jonah Bar or Bar-John Bar means son of John. So his, his name was Simon Johnson. But God, Jesus said, you identified who I am, my identity. Let me tell you your identity. You are, you are, you are Peter. I'm changing you to Peter. You are Rocky. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. He, he changed his name by, by giving him a new identity. He changed his nature. Something changed inside of Peter. And so here's the deal. Our, our identity has to be built on how God sees reality and how God sees us. I heard Bill Johnson say this. He says, that's why I cannot afford to have a thought in my head about myself that God doesn't have in his mind about me. I mean, how many know that there's a difference between truth and facts? Truth is with God. Facts are with us. But here's the truth. Truth trumps facts. Tell your neighbor that. Truth trumps facts. Because truth is with God, facts are with us. Now, if you're buying land, you probably don't want to deal with the facts, but I'm just saying, if you're going to deal with who you are and your identity and where you should go, you need to deal with truth. Because truth is with God. Because the starting point, Jesus said, that's why Jesus didn't say, you'll know the facts, and the facts will set you free. He said, you'll know the truth. And the truth, he said, if you continue my word, you're my disciples indeed, you'll know that it's truth, you'll discover truth. And the truth that you know, not truth, but the truth that you know will set you free. How many want to be free? Then don't just believe the facts, deal with truth. Remember last week I told you about this, I talked about Abraham. When God came to Abraham, God didn't say, God didn't give him the facts, God gave him the truth. God said to Abraham, I have made you, past tense, I've already made you. So in other words, that truth was with God. That truth was your father of many nations. Well, if you would have looked at his behavior, if you would have looked at his track record, if you had looked at his history, nothing in his track record, nothing in his history, even remotely, remotely said that that statement that God made was true. The facts are you're an old man. You've never produced a kid. The, the facts are you are not producing a kid, right? But God said, I've made you. And so what happened was when he believed that, he believed the truth, it brought resurrection life. It brought power into his body. His wife, Sarah, believed that brought resurrection power into her body. And he, at 100 years old, and Sarah at 90, had a baby. That's a wow point right there. You should say wow to that. Why? Because truth, truth trumps facts. Truth trumps facts. And so God didn't say, I'm going to wait and see how you do. If you do real well, then I'll, I'll say this. What God does, he says it first. And you believe it first, and then you live out the experience. 
You know, like in the world, you know, I've said this before. If you've been here a while, you've heard me say this. The kingdom of God is backwards. Or are we backwards? Right? Like in the world, if you, if you went into school one day and you said, the first day of school, you went in there and said, could I have my diploma? What would they say? Are you crazy? You got classes to take. You got tests to take. You got work to do. You got to prove yourself. You got to have a track record. And they should say that. But when you come into the kingdom of God, you get the trophy first. What? Yeah, you get the trophy first. And God says, this is who I made you to be. And if you believe this is who you are, your actions will follow. And so what happened with Abraham, he goes, I have made you. And this is the starting point of faith. If you don't get this point, you and God will never be on the same page. I have made you the father of many nations. So the starting point of faith, and this includes our identity, is to believe that what God says about us is true. And if we believe what God says about us is true, our actions will follow. Amen? That's really a powerful point right there. I'm sure glad I said that. I know it's kind of warm in here. I'm perspiring in my new shirt that I, it's not new, but. So what happens is the power of God is activated by faith because we believe that God told us the truth about ourselves. So think about this truth. In Romans chapter five, verse 17, it says this, for if by, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the gift, the free gift of righteousness, putting them in right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. He says, he says reign as kings in life. Reign as, that doesn't mean you won't ever have any problems. But when the problem presents itself, I'm thinking in my head, this, this is a huge problem, it's terrible, horrible problem. But guess what? I'm a, I'm a king. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to come to the point where I rule over this problem. If I can receive the abundance of grace and the gift of right, I can reign as a king. You know, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, He hath made us kings and priests unto God, his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And in Revelation 5, 10, it says, Has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Those are all the things the Bible says about us. So if you're going to hang a label on yourself, you're going to hang a tag on yourself, you should hang king and priest on yourself. Don't hang loser on yourself. Hang king or priest. Don't hang hang, uh, the tail and not the head, below only and not above. Reverse it. Say, no, I'm a king and a priest. If he's talking in here and he's telling the truth, I am a king and a priest. Hang that label on you. So that means when I do face problems, I go, I face this problem as a king and a priest. I can hear from God. I can receive the wisdom of God. I can know what to do in this situation because God made me a king and a priest and I'm supposed to reign on the earth. Amen? Amen. So here's the deal. God knows who you are. The devil knows who you are. The angels know who you are. It even says creation knows who you are. You're the only one that doesn't know who you are. But we're changing that. 
Isn't that true? We're on a mission to change that. Now, here's my sermon, and I have, like, no time to give it to you, so I'm going to give it to you really fast. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew, Mark chapter 5 real quickly here. How many have read the story about the woman with the issue of blood? So this, there's a woman. She had an issue of blood. She had it 12 years. It says that she suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all she had with nothing better but grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind him and touched his garments. For she said, if I touch him clothes, I shall be whole. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of plague. Jesus, immediately knowing himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Disciples said to him, Thou seest the multitude strong in thee. Thou sayest, Who touched me? He said, He looked around about to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and behold that plague. You know, it's interesting about this story. The old King James uses the term issue of blood, issue of blood. It was a hemorrhage. If you look up the word issue, it's a hemorrhage. She was hemorrhaging. She had hemorrhaged for 12 years. She tried in every way to get help for this situation. Many, she spent many, all her money on many doctors, many different cures. She didn't grow better. She had actually grown worse. But I thought about that, how, how the Bible uses the word issue, Issue. And the word issue, it says issue of blood. Do you know the Bible says that the, that the life, life is in the blood. So basically it was an issue of life. An issue of life. How many know that we have sometimes issues of life? We have issues in our life that have wounded us, that we've struggled with. Sometimes we struggle with them for years. And we can't seem to get over it. We can't seem to break free of it. We can't seem to get past it. There's serious, serious issues in life. And this, and this was a very serious issue. This was so huge that it actually defined her. And the thing about it is, when you have this type of a condition in your body in that day, you couldn't be around anybody. It was like leprosy. So that means that she couldn't touch people and people couldn't touch her. She couldn't associate with anybody. And sometimes that's how it is with issues that we have, is that we have these issues and we don't want to be around people. We don't have any confidence. We don't have any freedom. We don't have any, we feel bad and we withdraw, we hide and we don't let people touch us and we don't touch people. And that's the condition that this woman was in that she had struggled with for 12 years. And she was isolated, and she was alone, and she couldn't get free. But she heard about Jesus. And I want you to, this morning to have heard about Jesus, that no matter what you're going through, Jesus can set you free. It doesn't matter, because what he'll do is he'll give you a new identity, which will give you a new future, which will give you a new destiny, will give you a new identity, will give you a new, new actions, a new life. But what this woman had to do was she had to, she had to turn, she had to turn her attention toward Jesus. She heard about Jesus. When she heard about him, you know, she heard about his miracles. And she did something that 
society was, it was forbidden in society, she came in the press behind him. Now, Jesus was being thronged by thousands of people, and they were probably touching him. In curiosity, they were touching him to maybe just see what would happen. But when she came, she was, in a sense, she was risking everything when she came. And she was in a weakened state, but she pressed in. She pressed in. She took the initiative. She didn't wait for something to happen. She took the initiative to touch Jesus. She pressed in with this issue that she had. But when she pressed in with this issue that she had, in a sense what she was, was she was reaching forward. In a sense she was reaching forward, and to reach forward she had to turn loose of the past. See, if you want to go into a new day, you have to turn loose of the past, the bitterness of the past, the resentment of the past, the hurt of the past, what people did to you, whatever. you got to be willing to turn that loose and reach forward into a new day. And so she reached forward and touched him. The minute she touched him, it says that power left him. Power left him and went into her body and healed her. You know, some of the greatest things that still keep us from going into a new day is, is guilt, shame, regret, bitterness. You know, shame is a very destructive thing because guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says I am something wrong. Guilt says I made a mistake. Shame says I am a mistake. I'm fundamentally flawed. And there's a lot of people that feel that way. It's an issue. Something happened that traumatized them, and they're stuck in that situation. But let me tell you something. There's a cure. There's a cure. If you are willing, listen, listen to me. If you are willing to reach Reach forward. If you're willing to reach forward, you have to turn loose of the past. You've got to be willing to turn loose of the past and be willing to reach forward and touch Jesus and touch the power of God. You know what's so interesting? When she touched him, something supernatural happened. And Jesus turned to her and says, listen to this, daughter. Wow. Wow daughter. He didn't say defiled, unclean, horrible person. What are you doing here? He said, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you whole. The issue was resolved in a minute. See, a lot of times we struggle with issue for years. Listen, she struggled with that issue, but she struggled it in her own ability and the ability that man offered. But what, when she touched him, suddenly it was a supernatural touch, and the issue was settled. I believe that God wants to settle some issues here this morning. I, I believe that God, as the worship team comes, I believe God wants to settle some issues in a moment of time. But you have to be willing to first turn loose of the past. You see, a lot of times, memories or things of the past, you know, it's amazing how that 
You know, our past very often is something that we, we let it define us. It explains you, but it doesn't define you. You can, if you can have like, I, I am this way because of something that happened to me, that may explain you, but it doesn't have to define you. You can say, this was so hurtful. And you probably, some of you probably went through things I haven't gone through. And it's so hurtful, it explains you, but it doesn't have to define you. And one touch, one touch, if you're willing to reach out and touch the power of God, he will give you a new identity. Daughter, you're my daughter. You know, it's interesting when Paul talked about in Romans chapter 8, when he said all things work together for good, we all know that verse. But if you keep reading, he says, he talks about things present and things to come. He talks about life. He talks about death. Nothing can separate us. The one thing he doesn't mention is past. He doesn't say past. He says present and things to come. Because in God's mind, when you, when you ask him to forgive you, the past is done as far as God's concerned. It's over. And he is telling you that his power, ooh, man, I feel this right here. I feel this. What he's telling you is he's telling you his power will cover you in the present. Ooh. His power will cover you in the present and his power is waiting for you in the future. He said, I got the present covered and I got the future covered. Turn loose of the past. Turn loose of the past. Walk into a new day. Start with your thinking. Change the way you think about who God made you to be. Don't let those past things define who you are. You don't even remember them right anyways. Have you ever tried to compare stories about something that happened in the past? They're, they're saying one thing, you go, what? That's not what happened. It's all mixed up anyways, right, isn't it? So forget it. If God could give you anything, Paul said, I forget what's behind. I reach forward to what's ahead. Let's all stand together. God didn't make you to experience guilt over a long period of time. When you do, do something wrong, you feel guilty. You should feel guilty. But you shouldn't feel guilty over a period of time. Because then when it comes, it becomes condemnation. Condemnation is a trick, a tool that the enemy uses to try to define who you are. Shame, you should never feel shame. We say some to our kids sometimes, you should be ashamed of yourself. Never say that to your kids. They should never be ashamed because that's marring of their identity. Regret, you know, they say this, that they say that bitterness has actually a physical effect on your body. It, it actually eats away at your body, destroys your health. But you know, they say that bitterness and regret have exactly the same, have exactly the same effect on your body. Regret, regret and bitterness, same. They both deal with the past. Regret and bitterness. Regret and bitterness. 
That's why the Bible says to walk into a new day. That woman with the issue of blood, she had to. She had to forgive all those doctors she gave all her money to. She had to give, forgive society because society ostracized her. You're unclean, you're unfit. I can't associate with you. She had to forgive all those people. And she had to say, I'm willing to do that. Listen, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to walk into a new day. Because this is it. This is it. I'm tur- you cannot hang on to the past and, and walk into a new day. I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go with forgiveness. I'm letting it go with the memories that create a false identity of who I am. I'm stretching out. I'm laying hold of the identity. Daughter, I'm laying hold of the identity God has for me. And the issue of life, the issue of blood, the issue of life evaporated. Just like that, it was settled. She goes, it's gone. That's what I pray for you this morning, that you leave this place, you go, it's gone. It's gone. I lived with it. I bled with it. It sapped my strength. It sapped the life out of me. It it took away my ability to function. I couldn't function right. I I couldn't feel normal. I didn't feel normal. When I was around other people, I always felt inferior. I felt like there was something flawed. I was always the last one they picked at the baseball game when they picked teams. That's how you kind of feel. Like, I don't, I just don't, because maybe you had a defect or you had something condition that happened. But when you touch him, the issue of life resolved by the power of God. How many can see that? In a moment. That's so powerful to me. And I'm not against going to counselors and, and I'm not against that. As long as they, they counsel you in the power of God, they po- counsel you in the wisdom of God. But sometimes people just, they just go over and over their stuff. It's things present and things to come, not the past. Does that make sense? Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you right now. Lord, we thank you in this moment, Lord, that you did something supernatural to resolve our past and you take hold of our future. You take hold of us in the present and you take hold of our future. And you say things from this point forward will be different if you'll reach out in faith and touch to him. The issue that has been a source of bleeding where life has left you, strength has left you, where you couldn't feel normal, you couldn't feel adequate in a situation, that issue is resolved in a moment. It stops. I stop it saith the Spirit of God. I stop it. I cut it off. I break its hold on your life. I break its control over your life. I break it, saith God. I break it over you this morning. You are my son. You're my daughter. You belong to me. I am protective of my children. 
and I break it. That you could breathe new, fresh air. That you could experience new and fresh life. That strength would come. That strength would come. Identity would come. Unbelievable days ahead. Unbelievable days ahead. Hallelujah. The days of prophecy being fulfilled. The days of victory ahead. Hallelujah. Can you just slip your hand up and thank God for that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Don't run. Don't let the issue, don't let the issue of life cause you to run away and hide. After hearing about Jesus, she pressed in. Press in. Let God touch your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm just going to ask you right now. If you have an issue, this will take some courage because nobody wants to admit weakness. But if you have an issue, I want you just to leave your seat and come up down here right now. If you have an issue. Just, if you have an issue, just leave your seat and come right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you. Anybody else? If you have an issue, just come forward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Can you sing something? Just sing a song. As they sing, if, you, if that's you, just come forward right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I think we all have issues, but I'm, I'm interested if the Spirit of God is touching something in your life this morning. Just come forward right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. See, hey, counselors to come forward right now and let's just begin to pray for these people right now. Believe God for a breakthrough. Maybe my wife could help pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just pray right now in Jesus' name. We just need some ushers to come. Hallelujah. Right now in Jesus' name, by the power of the risen Christ right now. Hallelujah. Resolve. Resolve that issue of life right now. Hallelujah. We resolve it, Lord. We resolve that issue of life right now. 
Hallelujah. We resolve that issue of life right now. We resolve it. Hallelujah. That which saps your strength, that which saps your life, right now we resolve it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for resolving it right now. The issue of life, Lord, we just thank you right now for resolving it. Resolving.
let's just lift our hands one time, one more time. Just worship him, Lord, you're standing, Lord. We just worship you right now, Lord. We just thank you, God, for a new identity, Lord. We thank you for a new identity, Lord. We just thank you for a new identity, God. Hallelujah. A new identity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That which has been crushed, that which has been broken right now, Lord, we declare over your life a new identity, a new identity, a new purpose. Hallelujah. No more languishing. No more languishing. No more languishing. No more bitter tears. No more bitter feelings and no more bitter future. No more bitterness, Lord. Right now, we, we just extract, extract it like a dentist extracts a rotten tooth. We extract it, Lord. Hallelujah. New life, new vitality. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to be released. It's not that hard. Hallelujah. Just a new mindset. The mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. All brokenness healed in a moment. In a moment. All brokenness healed in a moment. The past canceled out. All the rejection, all the hurt, all the confusion of the past healed in a moment. In a moment of time. Moment of time. Hallelujah. By your touch. Thank you for your touch, your supernatural touch. And we just thank you that we can press in. Hallelujah. We can press in. Hallelujah. And touch, God. We can touch you, Lord. You said that in him we live and move and breathe and have our being. Thank you for it. Praise God. Well, how many glad you came this morning? Amen. Well, thank you. Praise God. We went a little bit, a little bit longer today, but... It was worth it. Amen. So I want you to know that we have some refreshments in the back. If you need prayer for anything else, we still have prayer counselors up here that would like to, we can't wait to lay hands on you and pray for you. Um, also remember that next Sunday is our fundraiser for our Christian school, but please join us for some refreshments in the back. God bless you all. You're free to go. Have a great, awesome week. And I want you to know that He can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.